Today, my name is Evelyn Aka. I'm the founder and managing lawyer of Aka Business Immigration Law. We are based in Calgary, Alberta, and we have two offices in Toronto and Vancouver, Canada as well. I focus primarily on cross-border NAFTA immigration law for professionals as well as families and individuals looking to move to Canada or move to the United States. I would like to welcome you to my podcast. It's called Ask Canada Immigration Lawyer Evelyn Aka. I'm excited today to talk to you about something that I feel very personal about related to immigration scams and um, fake news and all the misconceptions that many people have around the world about how to get to Canada. I really hope this podcast clears things up and that you feel like you receive the information you need to make the right decision and choose the right representative to help you in your immigration journey. So today, the reason I wanted to discuss misconceptions and fake news and fraud as it relates to immigration is that actually uh, last month, March 2019, the federal government of Canada launched the 15th Fraud Prevention Month campaign for the entire month. And there wouldn't have been a need for this in, over the last 15 years if fraud wasn't becoming more and more of an issue. It seems that people with negative intentions are using technology and social media um, to do more um, negative things that are illegal, obviously, and that are affecting and hurting our reputation and those of us who do everything right, lawyers and immigration consultants who do everything right. So today I want to be able to hopefully answer your questions about immigration fraud. Um, and I also want to give you a little bit of background so that you understand um, what seems to be happening and, um, and we can go from there. First and foremost, obviously Canada is a wonderful country to come to. Um, we're all very privileged to be here and we're all immigrants except for our First Nations uh, friends who've been here from the beginning. And so because of that, I think more and more people are taking advantage of that vulnerability, people who are desperate to come to Canada, who are looking for any means necessary, and sometimes they're also not complying with the law. So we want to talk about that today. Um, recently, even the Globe and Mail here in Canada, last this month, I think it was, beginning of April, launched uh, a whole campaign on immigration fraud and really did some in-depth reporting, really quite interesting, uh, great work from behind the scenes to look at the ways that um, unscrupulous consultants and recruiters were using the system to, to take advantage of vulnerable people from overseas. Some of the ways they were doing this were, were um, becoming recruiters. So in order to be a licensed recruiter in Canada, depending on the province, you need to be licensed. So some of them were consultants as well as recruiters, and they were allowing people to basically pay for their own jobs, which is against the law. So for having people pay for their own jobs to then come here and get a labor market impact assessment approval to basically work for themselves, um, that was one of the scams. The other scam was they guaranteed all these jobs and took people's money, hard-earned money, from overseas, and then when they got here, there were no jobs for them. And in the meantime, the entire extended family were in deep debt because of um, because of the, the the money they had borrowed to help this process along so that, that this person coming to Canada could take care of everyone's family back home. 
So a number of issues related to fraud has led to this. Um, one of the other things that I see sometimes is that people think that when you come to Canada and you have a baby, that that automatic, automatically gives you as well a Canadian citizenship. And that is wrong. So I'm hoping today to be able to clear up some of these um, ideas that run through different communities as to, for instance, coming to Canada, having a Canadian citizen child, and thinking that because of that child, you'll be able to become a permanent resident or citizen of Canada. That is incorrect information. Um, the biggest thing I'd say to you is consider who you work with. Um, and ask the right questions up front and do your due diligence. I also want to mention one of the other areas of fraud seems to be certain schools are popping up all across Canada that are recruiting um, internationally. And they're looking for international students to come to Canada. They spend a lot of money. And then they get here and they were told once you finish the program, you'll get a postgraduate work permit and you can move yourself to permanent residence. That is not always true. So it's very important that you look into the program, into the school, dig deep, contact Immigration Canada, look at the designated learning institutions list, make sure that the school that you are coming to is on that list and make sure that even if they're on that list, they're eligible for postgraduate work permit. Not every school is. So if you come here with that expectation, it's just so disheartening um, to find out later that you're stuck you can't work and you can't move yourself to permanent residence because you are misinformed. Very important to do that due diligence up front. Okay, so in addition to talking about, you know, all the negative side of immigration, we'll definitely be obviously talking about how to do it right. Um, I want to kind of go step by step in some of the questions that I received around this topic. One of them was, is it true that... Um, being over 40 affects your ability to qualify for express entry as a federal skilled worker. So the, the answer is yes. Um, there is something known as a comprehensive ranking uh, system, and this is a part of the express entry process. So in addition to all the other points that they calculate for federal skilled worker, they also look at age. And so even if that person might have a PhD, but be 40 plus, they may not even be able to move out of that first stage to make sure they got that 67 points to then move to the federal skilled worker category to get at least 450 plus points. If you can't get out of that first criteria with the 67 points, then you can't move forward. So let me just give you an idea because uh, for me, I would have no points. <laughs> I am old. That's what I tell my clients. Um, if you're 45 years of age or more, you get no points for the comprehensive ranking system. And that affects you significantly because you need the points to move through the process. You need to reach your 450 plus points. Um, for somebody, however, who's between 20 and 29, they get significant points. Those people get 100 points. That is the maximum number of points you can get under this category. And if you have a spouse um, as well in that range, that could be 110 total points. So that makes a huge difference if you are looking to apply from outside of the country as a federal skilled worker. 
It is true. And I think sometimes people forget about that first step in the process before they get into the rest of the process. You must look at that. Um, and so then that means you have to find other ways to move to Canada. So that's definitely one. But that's a reality. That's truthful. That's not a misconception. If you are over 40, it's very difficult, unfortunately, to come in um, to Canada under express entry. There are also always other streams. Um, one of the reasons is because the federal government is really looking to build, to bolster its um, its pension plan, you know, its Canadian pension plan. We are an aging population. We need people who are able to be here working for 30, 40 years to help replenish the pension plan process. And if everybody's coming is 45, 50, 55, they only work for 10 or 15 years, and then they're going to be drawing from that plan. And so that's one of the reasons why we're looking for young people, ideally young, educated, professional people to come to Canada and help us grow. Um, another uh, misconception that we're going to talk about right now, it relates to how to come to Canada when you have a criminal record. People think that it's really easy. You have maybe a criminal record from, you know, 20 years ago. It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, it does matter. If the Canadian government officials at the border, the CBSA, Canada Border Services Agency, or the consular officials notice and find as a part of your immigration process criminality, that will affect your ability to enter Canada. And you will need to get that cleared up before you can come to Canada as a permanent resident. Um, so criminality globally is an issue. And so when they do that police um, uh, record request, that is why they're doing that. They need to know that you do not have a criminal record, or if you do have one, it's old, and that you have gone to take the steps under a temporary resident permit or full criminal rehabilitation um, with the Canadian government to get it removed. And until then, you may be barred from entering Canada, working in Canada, or even being considered with um, someone else's permanent residence application for sponsorship. That's one of the ones. Um, another misconception that I think people have about Canada, especially now in light of what's happening uh, south of us in the United States, is that coming to Canada is easy, that anybody can come to Canada as a, uh, as a refugee and seek asylum, and that once you cross the border, everything is good and you can stay here forever. I need to make it clear that that is not truthful and that is not correct. And even more recently, this month, the Canadian government has come up with even more strategies that they're launching with the, with the government, um, hopefully passed through Parliament, that will actually make it more difficult for refugees to come to Canada and to be given a hearing um, as quickly as possible. Not everybody's going to be able to have that right if this new regulation passes. So that is a myth. I don't think people should look to Canada as a as an asylum country unless they truly are leaving a country where they can prove and document significant risk of harm or possibly death. That is the definition for refugee status, is that they're worried about their, their livelihood or their lives. Uh, another thing I want to mention is about who you can use to represent you with immigration matters in Canada, ideally, the only people that can work with you legally to help you with immigration are legal professionals who are lawyers like myself. I'm licensed both in Alberta and Ontario and I've practiced law for 20 years 
or immigration consultants that are regulated and that are members of their association that regulates them. It's a self-regulating body. Those are the only two professionals that can help you with immigration legally. Anybody else, whether it's a recruiter or an HR professional in a company, they cannot give you legal advice related to immigration. And so you must be careful that you're working with somebody. Go ahead and research them. Check them online. Check them with the regulated body. Make sure they're in good standing with the law society as well as with their immigration consulting um, society so that you can know that you're working with a professional who's gone through the rigorous testing and who, if they do something wrong, you will have a recourse and they could lose their license to practice law or lose their license to, to provide immigration consulting services. You must do your due diligence to avoid any kind of fraud down the line. Another thing I want to talk about is that um, many people think that they can come to Canada, become permanent residents, and leave the next day and maintain permanent residence. That is not true. When you apply for permanent residence, the intention for you must be to be in Canada. And so that is what you submit your application based on those grounds. And so let's say you come into Canada and you can only stay for a year and some family issues happen back home and you have to go back for a year or two. You must ensure you return to Canada so that you can qualify by having two years minimum out of five. And we always recommend people have more than that in case there's any discrepancies with travel dates in and out if your passports aren't stamped you want to make sure you give yourself lots of room so what could be give yourself two and a half years out of five years to be physically present in canada don't risk losing your pre your permanent resident status and do not work with any organization or any individual who can tell you that they can help you maintain your PR with giving you fake addresses, fake phone numbers, even I've heard of fake stamps. Don't do any of that because it puts you at risk and you will lose your permanent residence. The only way to maintain permanent residence if you're not here in Canada physically is if you are traveling outside of the country for a Canadian company that has transferred you that you can document or with the Canadian government. And the only other option is if you are married to a Canadian citizen and you are outside of the country. That is the only way to maintain your PR when you're not physically here. Okay? So please be careful about that because many people think that once they get it and then they leave, they can keep renewing it every five years. You will lose your PR status. That is definite for sure. Okay? Um, we have some questions about applying for express entry, which is not really in the scope of, of this um, of this Facebook Live, but I just want to quickly say if you've got questions about express entry, if you want to know about our fees and our processes, feel free to contact us through our website, akalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com, or contact our client intake uh, specialist at 403 452-9515, extension 103, and she'll be happy to answer all your questions. Um, another thing that some people think is that by buying a Canadian company, you're guaranteed permanent residence. And I need to tell you, yes, there are streams where professional business people who have been operating abroad can purchase a company or can incorporate a company and come to Canada. However, they're not able to do that 
simply by buying a business. You must have worked in the field. You must have experience. You must be able to show that you have that professional know-how to run a business in order to qualify for permanent residence. And it's very, very specific. So please, it's not, um, it's not guaranteed and it's not automatic. So before you invest in a business, make sure you've got the right legal counsel advising you on this matter so that you don't get swindled, you don't lose your life savings, and you can move forward on that basis, okay? Um, the other thing I'd like to say, is sometimes people think that working with an immigration lawyer is guaranteed to fast-track your process, and I need to tell you that's not true. Our job is to make sure that it's as smooth as possible and that there are no mistakes and that we double-check all the work and that all the forms are filled as perfectly as possible. However, we cannot guarantee that you're going to expedite your process because you've worked with a lawyer. So if somebody tells you that, that is false and it's fraudulent. There is no way to expedite an application simply because you've chosen to work with a lawyer or an immigration consultant. So please know that you can also find the true processing times on the IRCC website and it indicates exactly that you know, that you, um, what the current processing times are from the country that you're coming from um, based on the kind of application you're doing. So do not be swindled. Do not give your money to somebody who's guaranteeing you fast track two month processing. Um, I have a question here from Caroline Clark. She's asking if it's true that American citizens can just cross the border normally into Canada to join a spouse in order to apply for PR while they're together. Okay, well, this is a good question. Um, the answer, Caroline, is yes. If you are married to a Canadian citizen, you as an American can move to Canada or it can come as a visitor. The intention at the front end is you're coming as a visitor. But, of course, the minute you enter Canada, you can change your intention. And it's in the laws and it's indicated as dual intention. So if you want to come to Canada, you know, you move to Canada to be with your Canadian citizen spouse from inside the country, then you can then apply for permanent residence from inside the country. So long as you don't leave the country until everything is finished, um, that can happen. That is true. Uh, I always recommend you don't bring your life's possessions with you uh, as you cross the border, because I feel like it's important to be truthful about the intention. First time you're coming as a visitor, but you can stay. And the thing that's really important too is make sure that uh, you maintain your valid visitor status at all times. And that means once you come to Canada, make sure that every six months before that six-month term, you renew your visitor status from inside Canada so that you never lose it. In this process, which could take 12 to 18 months, you must always maintain your visitor status. Know that as well if you're here in Canada and you do the application um, for permanent residence as an in-Canada application. Usually within four or five months, you would be eligible for an open spousal work permit. And that's great because it means you have a document, it means you can work for whoever you want. Um, as well, it means that you're eligible for health care in Canada, which is a huge bonus um, once you're here as long as you include a work permit application with the sponsorship application and the appropriate fees, if approved, if your partner is approved for sponsorship to sponsor you, then you will get your work permit and you can start on with your life in Canada. One of the things that I deal with the most when it comes to um, immigration is sometimes people feel that that the, that the government is creating barriers for people from different countries to come in to Canada. And so, for instance, 
anybody that says they can guarantee success is obviously operating, you know, in a, in a world where they don't control the truth. I don't think it's truthful to say that. What we say here at ACO Business Immigration Law is we look at the merits of each file that is a potential client and we give them a sense of, okay, this is an 85% chance of success. This is a 90% chance of success, assuming all of these conditions are met. Or if something doesn't seem strong, I will tell the client, I think it's 50-50, and it's up to you if you choose to want to proceed. These are the weaknesses, and these are the strengths. And then it's up to that person to make the decision as to whether or not they want to proceed. There's nobody that can tell you 100% that you'll be successful. We even include that in our retainer agreements, that we cannot guarantee success. We do the very best we can with the law that we have today and, uh, and try to be as strategic and accurate as possible. And other than that, you need to be able to make a confident decision that you're working with the best person possible and that you feel that sense of trust and confidence in them and even ask for references, ask to speak to clients that they've had, ask to speak with some of their corporate or personal clients to to get that verification. If you feel you need it, do as much of that as possible so that you um, can feel confident you're working with somebody reputable. One of the things that um, has come up in the last few years, I think, is around the differences between, just like in the States, they have notarios working who are unlicensed um, people who are not lawyers, but they may have gone to law school. And I think that sometimes um, you need to be careful who you work with. Uh, you know, if it's really cheap, sometimes you need to consider that that $1,000 to do something that's going to take two years to do is probably not going to be done well or it's going to lead to failure, the lower the fee, generally speaking, I think the lower the likelihood of success. People who know how much time it takes to do a permanent residence application or a citizenship application and the years it takes and the documents and the the back and forth and the hours and hours and hours, 20, 30, 50, 100 hours sometimes of work, know the value of their work. And so In this case, I would say to you, cheapest is not always best. And you need to be wary of those people who are indicating we're the cheapest. At ACA Business Immigration Law, we are not the cheapest. We we price fairly, we price in the market, but we also price on the high end because we want people to know we value the work we do and we want to know that you can access us at all times and that we are responsive and we are truthful and we give you the goods, good or bad, we will tell you. And I think that's very important when you're working with a trusted advisor, that you find someone that you trust. The other thing I would say to you, too, is we do not do recruitment at ACA Business Immigration Law. Uh, I really think it's important to separate, for the most part, recruitment and law. And so I don't do any of that. There are some lawyers who do and there are some consultants who do. But I have to say, if somebody is saying you should pay to get yourself a job, that sounds, generally speaking, um, uh, suspicious to me because generally it would be the employer in Canada that is looking to pay the recruiter to find the ideal employee overseas to come and join them. So you should not be involved with paying for your job. And, and the other thing I would say, sometimes I'm hearing about labor market impact assessments, LMIAs. They're the piece where you need, a, um, in order to hire a foreign worker sometimes, that Canadian employer needs to get the LMIA in order to bring that person to Canada. And that is a completely employer-paid process. 
the fee of $1,000 to the government must be paid by the employer. And if you're asked to pay that fee, you must know that there's something wrong. That should never happen in the law. That must be paid by the employer. So I just want you to think really long and hard when you reach out to people in Canada or the United States to do your due diligence, to know you're working with somebody reputable. Oftentimes, most of the work we get are people who've worked with us and have been happy with our work, and they're referring their friends and family members and colleagues. So at least you know you're getting somebody who's worked with us, who can attest to the, the quality of the work and the, and the diligence that we bring to every file. Um, I think that goes a long way, and we value the references we get from our clients. Thank you so much for joining me at ACA Law, focused on misconceptions, fake news about Canadian immigration law. If you have any other questions after this, please feel free to contact us. Our website again is acalaw.com, A-C-K-A-H-L-A-W.com. And our phone number is 403-452-9515, extension 103. Feel free to reach out anytime. We'd love to assist you. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day. Until next time, bye-bye.